Welcome to today's Community Cast. My name is Matt Morgan. I'm the pastor at Community Brookside, a new church plant in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We are so blessed by your presence, and we hope that today's content will bring you joy. So now that I have my apocalypse beard, uh, sometimes when I take my mask off, hairs go everywhere, like just crazy. So if I have hairs like poking out funny, just let me know. Uh, But I'm going to start off this morning by telling you a quick story. There's a man named R.T. Kendall, and he relates a story of a time when he stayed in the home of a missionary who used to be a Muslim. He marveled at the man's transformation. The missionary told him how he had been led to Christ by British soldiers when he was living in Madagascar. Kendall asked, well, what argument did you use? What line of reasoning persuaded you to turn from Islam to the Christian faith? And here's what the man said. He said, it wasn't what they said, it was who they were. So last week we talked a lot about uh, our witness, right? So we we talked about how important it was that our our witness is so important to us and our faith that the United Methodist Church has five different things that we profess whenever we want to become a member of the United Methodist Church. We profess to support the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Now here's what's crazy. The United Methodist Church has been, well, the United Methodist Church has been around since 1968. But before that, the Methodist Church has been around since the time of John Wesley, right? So in the the late 1700s, the mid to late 1700s. And it took us until 2008 until we realized how important our witness should be. And in 2008 is when witness was added to our membership vows. I think our, our witness is one of the most important things that we have as Christians, And we talked a lot last week about how the witness of Daniel, uh, in the book of Daniel, we got to see Daniel be somebody who is uh, loving God and somebody who, even in the midst of fear, professed his faith in God. Even when the king pronounced problems for those who didn't worship God, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they worshiped God in spite of the threat on their lives. So last week we realized that Daniel had become pretty popular because Daniel was able to interpret dreams. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the Babylonian king, had taken over Judah and he had actually pulled people out of Judah, right? So some of the upper class folks from Judah, uh, some of the, the, uh, the wealthy, he would actually take from their homeland and disperse them amongst the Babylonian empire. And it just so happened that he had chosen Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be a part of his like inner circle. So for three years, they got to kind of uh, learn about the Babylonian Empire. They got to, to learn the languages, the, the monetary system, the different gods. Uh, they got to learn the traditions of how one was to serve the king. So they were basically the kings uh, like in, in his inner circle of folks. And even though they were taken from their homeland and placed in a, a totally alien, foreign country, they never gave up their faith. They never stopped believing in God, and they lived out their faith daily. And that's where they kind of got into trouble, right? So last week we heard about how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they refused to bow down to a a 60-cubit-high golden statue, because they refused to think that the statue was uh, some sort of a religious relic, instead it was just a, a lump of gold, When they chose to not obey the king, they were thrown into a fiery furnace to be killed. But an angel of the Lord met them in the fire and protected them and kept them safe. 
they were able to say to the king, you know what? I believe in a God that's going to save me from this death and save me from this pain. But, and here's what's crazy. They said, even if our God chooses not to, I will never give up my faith in God. How many of us could do that, right? That's hard. Even when God doesn't do something we would like God to do, how many of us are still solid and standing firm in our faith? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did that, and they were delivered from the fiery furnace, and King Nebuchadnezzar actually elevated them, and they became even more important in the Babylonian Empire. But this week, I'd like to go a little bit further, talking about what it looks like to, to live out our faith, right? So this week, uh, we're going to start in the book of Daniel chapter 5. And just to kind of reset the stage for you. So last week, everything that happened. So Daniel interpreted dreams of Nebuchadnezzar and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were confronted by King Nebuchadnezzar. But this week, Nebuchadnezzar is dead. Okay? So we've shifted. And now Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are still in the king's court. But there's a new king. It's Nebuchadnezzar's son. His name is Belshazzar. Okay? So uh, in, uh, in the book of Daniel in chapter 5, it says that one night Belshazzar was so excited about himself that he threw a big party for himself and he invited a thousand of his lords to celebrate himself. He liked himself a little bit, right? And so he invited all of these guys to come and, and to party and to drink. And, and he was like, you know what? I am so important and I am so worthy of praise that you know what I'm going to do? He went into his royal storehouse and he had his, well, he didn't. He had his servants because he's too important. So he, he had his royal servants go into the storehouse of the, the uh, Babylonian king. And he had them bring out the best goblets and the best vessels to drink their wine from. And you know where those vessels were from? The capital of the, the Judean empire. They, they were from the, the temple in Jerusalem. So these were holy, sacred relics of gold and silver. These were vessels used for sacrifices and offerings to God. And instead, the king decides he's going to pull them out and use them to just drink a lot with his friends and to celebrate how great the king is. Just so happened that while they were celebrating the king, Something that looked like a person's hand came down and wrote in the plaster on the wall of the banquet hall that they were in. And the king freaked out. Scripture says that, uh, that he was so afraid and so fearful that his hips gave way and his knees began to quake. It's a really interesting description of how that works out. So we're going to pick up right there. In chapter 5 in the book of Daniel, verses 7 through 9. And here's what it says. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now, all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled, his countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. None of the king's men could interpret what the writing on the wall meant, 
And all of these men had apparently kind of conned their way into being a part of the king's royal, like soothsayers, his, his royal prophets, if you will, because you would think they would have some sort of a miraculous interpretation ability if they were these magicians and soothsayers and truth tellers and astrologers, but nah, they were just dudes who conned their way into the king's, you know, inner courts. Scripture goes on in verse 11 through 30, and it says this. The queen, well, let, let, me, let me back up just a little bit. Because none of the astrologers could figure out what the words meant and couldn't give an interpretation, the queen, who happened to be there at the banquet, said, you know what, I remember that your father had someone who interpreted his dreams, and he was very wise and knowledgeable. So why don't we get that guy? His name is Daniel. But the king had changed his name to Belteshazzar. So call Belteshazzar or Daniel or whatever his name is at this time. And I bet he can interpret those dreams for you. Or this, the writing on the wall. And so here's what Daniel goes on to say in verse 11. The, king, or the queen says, There is a man in your kingdom who, in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father, the king, brought from Judah? I have heard of you that the spirit of God is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought here in before me that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a gold chain around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself, because the king liked himself, and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whoever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of the heavens, till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whom he chooses. But you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart. Although you knew all this, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven, they, who, or they have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways you have not glorified. 
Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written, Meany, meany, tekel, parson. This is the interpretation of each word, meany, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and are found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persian, Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede was received, or Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Have you ever heard the phrase, pride comes before a fall? Have you ever seen that happen in your own life? Because I have, right? Anytime I feel like I'm getting puffed up or I, I feel like I'm doing well or like, yes, things could not be going any better. God has blessed me. I've just got it all together. And then immediately something terrifying happens, right? And I'm sure I'm not the only one, but it just seems that sometimes when we put our faith in ourselves, we don't have a lot to stand on. It's a weird situation, and, and here's what's crazy. We, we missed the part in the story of Daniel where uh, King Nebuchadnezzar basically had a mental breakdown and was sent out of the kingdom, and he lived like a donkey in the wild. It's a really strange story because the king forgot all the important things that Daniel told him, and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego exemplified for him. And the king began to be puffed up again, and so Nebuchadnezzar ended up losing his mind and then eventually was kind of kicked out of the kingdom. He lost his power. He lost everything that he had. But eventually, eventually he came to recognize the power of God and that God is good. And eventually he regained his kingdom and was lifted up even higher than he was before. And then eventually, as all humans do, he died. And then his son took over the kingdom and his son suffered the same problem because he had the example of his father who was puffed up and believed highly in himself. Have you ever heard stories about people who like got everything and then lost it all? Are there other people in your minds that you can think of who like were super duper wealthy or famous and then they just lost it all? MC Hammer. MC Hammer. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Anybody else? Shaq. Oh, wow. Oh, like when he was younger. Got it. Yeah. Who? There are a lot of athletes who don't plan well, and they end up you know, making millions and millions of dollars and then make some bad investments or buy 18 Ferraris and then lose it all, right? Think about Steve Jobs. Now, Steve Jobs is a little bit of an exception to that story because Steve Jobs started a company when he was 23 years old. And by 25, he had multiple millions of dollars. And then later on, he hired a man uh, who was a Fortune 500 CEO named John Scully. And three years after he hired John Scully, John Scully fired Steve Jobs. The creator of his company got fired from his own company. And he lost it all. Now, eventually, Steve Jobs started another company 
that Apple bought. And then Steve Jobs ended working his way back up to CEO. And you know, the rest is kind of history. How many of you have an iPhone? Right? How many of you have a MacBook? Right? Okay. So pretty successful. Even though he passed away, he died a very wealthy man. My favorite example, Martha Stewart. Right? She had her own brand. She had her own TV show. She had her own company. And apparently when you do some insider trading, you end up getting thrown in prison and make best friends with Snoop Dogg. I don't know how that all worked out, but uh, you know, Snoop Dogg and, and Martha Stewart, we know are pretty tight. Uh, but eventually Martha Stewart did get out of jail and she did get her company back. Like when you can make things right, you're able to kind of regain some footing. And we've seen that example after example. Sometimes when we focus only on ourselves, we're gonna fail. But the great news is we won't always stay a failure because we always have that opportunity to be redeemed. We always have that opportunity to shift our focus, to recognize that we are subordinate and we're subjugated to a God who loves us. But it's a good subjugation. God loves us in a way that he treats us like his children. Daniel got to point out to the king that he was puffed up. And that because he was so self-centered, he was going to lose everything. And that very night, the king was murdered. And his kingdom was stolen from him. So King Darius, who comes to the throne, uh, he's a, a Persian, right? So the Babylonian Empire falls to the Persian Empire, which is combined of Persians and Medes. And uh, so King Darius comes in and, and Darius decides that he's going to keep most everybody in the, the, the royal uh, you know, court. He's going to keep a lot of them. So Daniel stays on. So this is now the third king that he's been under. He's served, which is interesting because if you think about people who are in power, one of the first things they try to do is change out their cabinet for yes men, right? Like we've seen that in politics. We've seen, you know, governors and uh, mayors and, you know, presidents, they, they put people in power who they want to serve them because they know them well. And Daniel just happened to be one of those guys who was so blessed that he was able to serve under three different kings. So we're going to pick up again in Daniel chapter 6, and we're going to hear a very interesting story where, where Daniel gets to, again, exemplify who God is and what God means to him. And we're going to see that God is good, even sometimes when it feels like we're alone and abandoned. So this comes to us from Jan Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 28. It says this, it, it pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they weren't able to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king. And he say, they, they said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who, who prays to any god or human besides, or sorry, during the next 30 days, except for to you, your majesty, shall be thrown to the lion's den. 
Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree into writing. Verse 10 goes on. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So then they went to the king and they spoke to him about this royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of your exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort, effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace. And he spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called out to Daniel in anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out from the den, no wound was found on him because he trusted in his God. All the king's command, or at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and their children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to the nations and peoples of every language, in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Even in the midst of fear, even the, when your life is in jeopardy, Daniel said, I'm not worried about it. And it says that he knelt in his upstairs room with the windows wide open where the whole world could see. He was not afraid to set an example, even though that example caused him some trouble. It seems that when we are obedient to God, God will honor us. There is story after story after story in Scripture where people are dedicated to loving God, to living out their faith, to, to telling the world who God is, and God honors them. 
I don't believe that that changes today. I believe that if we are a people who don't just honor God with our lips, but we honor God with our lives, that God will reward us and that God will show us honor and that God will use us as a way to change the world. One of humanity's greatest downfalls is our love of self, right? It's our love of us. It's the, I want to make sure that I have the best. I want to make sure that I'm being served and that I'm comfortable. That's one of our biggest flaws. So how can we maintain any aspect of humility? Well, I've got a couple ideas. I've answered that question for us today. Number one, we have to recognize that we are not the best at everything. Even though we might actually be the best at something, we have to recognize that there still might be someone out there that we've not met or not seen or not heard play the guitar or, or not seen make this sculpture or not you know, heard sing this beautiful music. There's probably going to be somebody who does that thing better than you. And guess what? That's okay. We don't have to be the best at everything. Number two, we have to recognize our faults. Guess what? You got some. All of us have faults. Every one of us. We have issues with our heart. We have issues with our lives. We have issues with our thoughts. Our faults are a part of being human. And we have to recognize that humanity is never going to be perfect. As great as you think you are, you're still not that great. But I love you. Number three, we have to be grateful about what we have, but not boastful about what we have, right? It's really hard when we get a new car. Uh, 2021 Bronco, Nicole, if you're watching, is what we're going to have for a new car soon. Um, it's hard for us when we get this incredible thing not to show it off to the world, right? It's really hard for us when we get a new house not to be like, well, this is the best house in the neighborhood. I spent the most money in the neighborhood on my house. Because we, we're, we're humans. And that's part of who we are. We love and crave attention sometimes. We have to be grateful for those things. But we shouldn't brag or be boastful about those things. Guess what? This one's going to hurt. We have to admit when we're wrong. I'm going to say that again. We have to admit when we're wrong. Guys, I don't know about you, but I have seen so many people who are 100% right 100% of the time. Sometimes I feel like I'm one of those people that's 100% right 100% of the time, but I'm not. One of the hardest things that we can do as humanity is to say, you know what? I'm sorry, but I was wrong. And right now, when we have, good Lord, every one of us have seen the Facebook memes or the, the Twittergram posts. Like we've seen all these things where people just know that this is 100% accurate or this is 100% inaccurate. And even when it's wrong, nobody, nobody takes it down. Nobody apologizes 
we have to be very careful as people who believe in a God that wants us to be redeemed, that we have to work sometimes to help others recognize that redemption necessity in their lives too by not being right 100% of the time. And when we're wrong, claim it. It's okay. The last thing is we have to appreciate other people. We have to appreciate our differences. We have to appreciate uh, what makes us who we are, our individualities, our different skill sets. We have to appreciate other people. Only by being able to see someone's humanity are we able to really kind of grapple with our own. Oh, you have this thing that you love about your life? I, I love that thing about my life too, but you struggle differently than I do. But that doesn't make you less human than I am. Friends, we have some great stories in the book of Daniel that talk to us about living out an example and making sure that we're humble and acknowledging that, the God, that God is the source of all our lives. So today I want to remind you to let God be your source. Don't let you be your source because that source is going to run dry. Friends, the book of Daniel shows us what it's like to live out an example even when we face death, even when we face persecution, even when we face fear. My challenge is to each of us today that we are unafraid to worship a God who loves us even when it gets hard, even when it gets awkward, even when the world says, you're a weirdo. Even when the world says Christianity doesn't look like the Bible, we have to once again set the example for our friends and family of who God is and how much God loves us. Because guys, God loves us so much. And I believe that God's heart breaks when he looks at how we treat each other. So this week... Let's live up to our, our God's expectations of us. This week, let's not be hurtful to one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's recognize the differences that we have from our friends and our neighbors. Let's realize that we're not the top of the pyramid. That's God. And we're blessed that we get to serve Him. Thank you so much for joining us on today's Community Cast. We hope that you were blessed by today's conversation. If you'd like to know more about Community Brookside, please feel free to visit us at our website, communitybrookside.com, or find us on your favorite social media outlet. We hope to hear from you soon. Be blessed.